the day we moved here, resident culture opened and like we moved into our house and we couldn't figure out why the air condition couldn't work. So we dropped off our couch and we we're like, that's that's enough moving for today. And then we came here and had beer. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Living the dream. Oh, Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Kentucky Commons Radio Hour. Uh, we are in Charlotte today. I am Michael Moeller, joined by David Satterley and uh, guest host Nell Fox from Work For Your Beer. Uh, we are on location at the Plaza Midwood Resident Culture Brewery, uh, joined today by our very special guest, Razia Gonzalez. Uh, Razia, you do uh, events and, and a bunch of other things here at the brewery. Thank you so much for, for having us come in. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, we uh, we're here for the first time, first trip to Charlotte, certainly. Um, tell us a little bit about resident culture, if you don't mind. Oh, there is a lot to share. Uh, so, resident culture um, in its fifth year. It's actually one of the first breweries I ever. No, it is the first brewery I visited as a new Charlottean. I'm pronouncing that correctly. That is correct. Um, so I had mentioned this kind of early on, but we had moved into our house just kind of up the street from here. Couldn't get the air conditioning working and decided we were just going to drop our couch off and come over. And it turns out that it was like their grand opening day. So Philip and Amanda were both working like the main entrance during that uh, kind of kickoff day. Um, but we're heading into five years now. Opened a second location in January earlier this year. So rounding the corner on a full year there as well. Known for kind of a variety of different beer styles. Um, hazy IPAs are probably going to be the, the number one for us. Lagers are fantastic um, and actually had a really cool opportunity to release our first Spawn beer. So fermented... Um, in neutral oak barrels, but um, first beer that we knocked out into our cool ship. Our cool ship room uh, is not in existence any longer. So this one, you know, was back then, but three years living in barrels. So one of the oldest beers that we've ever had in a barrel and had to, got a chance to release it last week. That's a ton of time for maturation. <laughs> and it is fantastic. Did I'm you sell out that. already? Uh, no. So we had a little bit of a preview of it during our beer dinner with Jimmy Pearls. Uh, oh, yeah. So it has not officially hit the market, but it is it's pretty tasty. Sounds great. I remember the first time I came here, uh, right when Resident Culture opened, and this was when I wasn't really interested in IPAs. Uh, and it was like 12 IPAs and like two, a lager and one sour, I think. And I was like, yes, I'm getting the sour. <laughs> Uh, but you guys make fantastic sours too, which wasn't mentioned in that list, but I like to call that out because, uh, once the menu got a little bit more diversified after the first couple months of being open with a, a ton of IPAs, um, I just felt like you guys do such a good job with the variety now and you're really good at everything you do. Well, that's a big compliment. Um, I don't produce any of the beer, but shout out to Tropes and Aaron and Mark and Graham for holding down the fort and all the things they do back there. But Sours is absolutely one of them. Um, a lot of really fun ones recently. They're like cocktail inspired. So that's that really interesting. Um, and what's really cool is that you'll see a little bit of crossover in our menus in terms of like 
cocktails that are created in South End that become inspired into beer here and then beer over there that they've inspired into cocktails, which is really fun. Um, stouts are also a really big thing for us as well. So porch parties, uh, we'll have another one coming up in a few weeks, releasing some stouts with some Florida friends. So stouts are also a big one for us. Yeah, you'll get lines uh, for your release days, which is always fun to porch see. Porch parties start at 10 a.m. So you're popping bottles early in the a.m. That is a wonderful <laughs> morning beer fest. <laughs> Um, I came to know resident culture because uh, I go to the Festival of Wooden Barrel Age Beers every yeah. year in Chicago, Fobab. Um, and you all won uh, last year, Best in yeah. Show for the Mixed Culture. Yeah, uh, so that was actually one that we released during the beer dinner uh, last week as well. So sympathetic. It's amazing. Yeah, it's um, to really say good. the least. But it's also really cool because Fobab is usually not like a mixed culture beer that will take home something like that. So even more incredible to have it something that's like far beyond what you would typically expect. Yeah. Incredibly stiff competition. And then like once they start doling out those awards on Saturday, then that's where those lines, people just like jet and they're like that one, I'm going to go have it yeah. right now. And <laughs> totally guilty of that. But I do remember having that beer and being like, how do we get this? And they're like, yeah, we, we're not even putting it out yet. <laughs> this is just this is just for this. <laughs> so stay tuned. It will be released soon. Yeah. It's a great beer. You mentioned that there was the, the other location in the South End that just opened up in January of this year. What, what are the differences between these locations? So a couple of, you know, pretty big ones are going to be food offerings. So El Toro Bruto, formerly Chilitos Tacos, is now at our South End location. Um, they've got their own spot in there offering an incredible menu. So good. Their breakfast like, burritos. Though. Delicious. Oh, and if you haven't tried brunch, so chef's good. kiss. <laughs> uh, mushroom toast? Hello. But um, so <laughs> that's one. Mushroom toast. Mushroom toast so with goat cheese. Overtaking avocado toast? or, or Oh, I, I will in. take mushroom toast over avocado toast, but there is an avocado toast. What kind of, mu like, are we oyster mushrooms? Delicious mushrooms. Okay, all of them. Okay. <laughs> as long as they taste good. We're not being I, critical, we're just curious. I, I, yeah, yeah. I am actually this uh, is cutting uncertain. Edge. Hector, please don't judge me if you hear this. Um, uh, delicious mushrooms. It is its own variation. Okay. From the land of mushrooms. I'm, I'm always <laughs> down for fungi. So it is. All I know is that it's fantastic. Um, but so crazy, delicious food menu um, being churned out through El Toro Bruto. And then Moster Coffee is also available through our killer coffee shop, um, which if you haven't had a chance to have it, do yourself a favor and go knock out a creme brulee latte. The, I was just going to say that creme brulee latte. It's like beautiful and you don't even want to drink it, but then it's also delicious. But you can only get it. You can only get it to stay at. Yes. So I was like, I'll have one of those to go. They're like, it'll literally light the cup on fire. So yes. we can't do that because they do the whole, yeah, the whole they shebang. Like torture creme right there. It's yeah. fantastic. It's so, delicious. Uh, you know, cool, amazing food, coffee options. Uh, the space is actually, you know, widely different than what we've got here uh, in terms of event space. There's like private space, semi-private space. Um, they're open till 2 a.m. I like to so dub it's a little it different. Club Resi at night in South End. Yeah, it is a, little... a completely different neighborhood. <laughs> They've got DJs until 2 a.m. Um, and, you know, you all be making your way over there soon. But um, when you walk in, take a look when you walk in. One, the most amazing sculpture is just like hanging from the ceiling and it's so cool um but also a dj booth oversees the entire floor of the space which is even more amazing i'm yeah. actually performing tonight oh. <laughs> oh. 
What's your DJ name? I'm looking forward to that. It's DJ Sat Sat. Oh, I love that. I'm DJ Melly Mel. So. <laughs> Razia, do you have a DJ I, name? I don't know what my DJ name would be. Think on it. I think it's like your your horoscope plus the last <laughs> soup that you had or something. I don't know. I'm like Taurus potato leek. That sounds great. Hell I mean, yeah. honestly. I don't know. I think I might go with like DJ Mushroom Toast. toast. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. I, I guarantee no one has claimed that yet. So <laughs> There <laughs> is a DJ tomato slice. It, now that's something I pay money for. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So um, you, you you mentioned a little bit on it before, but the the cool ship it's no longer in existence right now. But that's something that the brewery did start with. Is that what I'm understanding? Yeah. So the actual room that it lived in is no longer in existence, but the cool ship oh. is here. So um, once we start heading back into those cooler temperatures, you'll see it on the patio. Um, it's a really fun experience. We'll usually let people know in advance that we'll be knocking out into it because it's really cool to just like watch that happen. Um, it'll live on the patio overnight and then get put into a tank the next day. But um, we did a cool ship transfer towards the end of winter this year. So it'll probably round around the same time. How does Charlotte beer drink? How do Charlotte beer drinkers em embrace that kind of culture of beer? Because it's a little bit different. So it's definitely different. Um, I would say probably for Charlotte, it's among the first of that cool ship, you know, release. I don't know of anyone else in Charlotte who does that. We were trying to figure out if there was anyone. So for Charlotte, it feels like it's definitely a first. North Carolina, there's going to definitely be a couple of other breweries. Um, I would probably bet that Fontaflora is one of them. Mm -hmm. But I think there's such an amazing part of creating beer that ends up, you know, going into a cool ship. I would say the market probably doesn't have a whole lot of knowledge on it, but that curiosity exists. Um, and I mean, you can feel that and kind of when those beers get released. So obviously this is the first for us to be able to release that one. But once it goes to market and just kind of the reception that we got from people in the last week was really amazing. And it's such a beautiful story. And if you don't know a lot about creating beer using cool ships. I mean, this beer is true to Plaza Midwood Funk. Like this is all of the microbes that live in our very air right here in the neighborhood. So that's pretty sweet. I, I think one of the coolest things about it is one, you just, it's irreproducible. You're yeah. going to, you're going to do it. It's going to happen and you're going to try it. And that, that is like, as an enthusiast, like that's something that you're always chasing. You're always chasing the next coolest thing. And like, it's a scarcity model, Yeah. but in this, it's like intentionally just, different and and when you think it in that terms you're like all right well we're gonna have it we might not like it we might love it uh we'll never have it again so <laughs> let's just give it a go i mean that's gonna be true to quite a few different things i mean brewing in general you can rebrew something again and again and it may not exactly come out the same way like in terms of quality assurance that's something that's a really big deal for us um, making sure that our team is like focused on that sensory analysis and the products that we're putting out are, are things that we're proud of and stay true to like the brand and the culture of, of who we are but i mean you'll put a beer into a completely different barrel and it'll taste different so i think that's also something that's so unique and special about what we're able to produce here. And you lead a, a sensory um, kind of panel evaluation yourself for consumers, right? So to some extent, yeah. So also supporting our team on beer education and talking through off-flavor analysis and sensory analysis, how to taste beer, how to evaluate it. And on kind of the consumer or guest standpoint, really, it's coming in and doing 
a guided tasting of a flight of beer that we've previously selected. It gives us an opportunity to pick the beers that are going to give you just such a wide variety of what you're experiencing and then talking through the various elements of that down to, you know, tasting malt in its raw form um, or doing a hop rub and smelling what those hops smell like from like its natural state or kind of semi-natural state. It's pelletized. What what type of customer is coming in to, to have that experience? Is it somebody that already drinks beer and wants to go to the next level or somebody that doesn't know anything about beer at all and thinks that this is a fun weekend activity that they can just go out and do? So it's definitely a mix. You have uh, a lot of large groups that come in that just kind of want to do something fun as like a team outing and something that they can bond over. You've got folks who've this may be the first flight of beer that they've ever ordered. And it's what's really cool is the fact that you're tasting these beers together and asking questions that elicit different responses from people. So talking about the things that you're tasting, how the beer, you know, weight feels in your mouth. Um, is it like a creamy beer? Does this beer taste roasty to you? So it's so interesting because all of our palates are completely different. So when we sit down and we do those things together, you know, what I'm picking up is going to be completely different from what Mel is picking up. And I think that's also just such a really beautiful thing, especially because we pride ourselves on working with the community and being such a community-based organization. So it's really cool to be able to share all the things we do behind the scenes with people and the guests that like come into our tap room. Yeah. In, in just five short years, I mean, resident culture is a, a name around the country. I mean, we're, we're having a couple of the beers here. This one, uh, Forever Alone, you said? Yeah. It's, uh, straight Rawaka dry hop? The answer to that was yes. I was actually yes. drinking at the time. Hey, I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah. But this is a great uh, great rendition of just a, a straight up IPA, you know, like a yeah, it's single just hop. Easy drinking, so forever alone, um, rotating single hop hazy IPA that we'll have on draft. Rawaka is the, the newest one that we've released. And then um, I'm actually drinking our new New Zealand pills which is pretty tasty. And then on my end, I know that I have a, a Great Notion collab. Can you yep, speak to that IPA. one? I am not 100% sure on the malt or the hop built for that just because um, my brain is forgetting it at the moment. But um, Great Notion, another amazing brewery. So that one we were really excited and we're hoping to get to release during our beer dinner last week, but it wasn't quite ready. And again, it kind of goes back to that quality assurance and like, don't rush the product because it's so fantastic. So when I think about Great Notion, I think about all the little woodland creatures and characters that they have associated with their brand. But you also have some sort of character and creature associated with your brand. Tell, tell me a little bit about this this green guy that I've been <laughs> seeing everywhere. This, this giant Leroy, sure. A giant, green, hairy <laughs> monster, basically. Roller skating. Uh, roller skating around. With, with safety goggles on. Yes. Safety yes. first. Uh, so Leroy is what you've got on the table. And then um, before we go, and if you head to the bathroom, uh, Vicky Virago is painted and is a mural that's like near our bathrooms. Uh, Leroy is also painted on one of the massive murals inside of the tap room as well. Um, Marissa is our resident artist. And if I could live in her brain for just one day, I feel like it might be the most magical place ever because just the the amount of creativity and how incredibly detailed and beautiful the artwork is. Like I got to sit next to her while she was um, working on the label for uh, Equity Over Everything. It's the beer that we released with Lifting Lucy. 
and just the amount of detail that went into each of those individual characters within the single can art is just mind blowing. Um, I've been a huge admirer of like her illustrations for a very, very long time. And to get to share like an office space with the person that creates these incredible creatures is beyond words. Well, and it really differentiates you guys in Charlotte too. Yeah. Like you don't see any other breweries doing this same type of like artwork and can canning and everything is, you know, in, in the tap room to match that. And it's really unique. And again, whenever resident culture first opened i was like this place is weird and i love it like it was just like one of those places that you're like i vibe with this and it it's perfect with the plaza midwood neighborhood too with just like a little bit of the funky vibes and like i just uh, i love it it's so magical we are where <laughs> your weird is welcome i love that as that a resident weirdo i love that yeah. <laughs> and like you said you have a house artist i mean not a lot of brews yeah, can I, tout that you know? i don't know of many that do um but damn lucky you also have a membership program i believe can you speak to that yeah so there's a couple of different ones there are two levels so one is you know a four pack a month you get to come in take a four pack of your choice the other is our cans only membership um so it's a little bit of a higher tier so get your four pack a month. And we actually just had an event a couple of months back for all of our can club members, um, exclusive party with exclusive merch. I mean, this is some of the most incredible merchandise I've ever seen. And like, I was very jealous that I didn't get it. <laughs> um, I'm hopeful that there'll be like another small run that they need to do so that I can get these. Like there is the coolest challenge coin. So before we go, like I'll have to show you what it looks like because it is amazing. Um, so exclusive membership for them. They've got some really cool merchandise, but I think one of the, for me, most exciting parts of it is being able to do a hop rub where you then create the hop pro, like the, you know, bill for the hops that are going into this exclusive can, like can club member beer, which is pretty sweet that you would be the only few in Charlotte that gets to take this beer home and had a hand in picking all of the hops that went into it. So How that's many members sweet. do you have in that? That I would have to double check. Yeah. Like plus or minus a hundred. I would probably say at least a hundred. Fair. At least. So a hundred people rubbing for, hops. For, for kind of the, the, that like for that level. Okay. Yeah. Um, certainly uh, there's like a, a ton more for, for other membership levels. That's I also actually, really unique. Like you don't see many other people doing that in like some have kind of like their POS system membership where it's like, yeah. oh, you know, or you have like a mug club. Yeah. Which is, yeah. is pretty awesome as well. Um, ironically, I I guess not ironically, um, my partner like Christmas bought him like the can club membership and then started here in January. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. They're getting they're getting a little bit like behind the scenes too. Like the, that's a membership that you would like interact with, you know, the employees and everything. And and it's not just a mug club. It, and culture is in the name, but you know, you're you're building it. Yeah, it's. I mean, it was a super fun party where you get together and everyone was drinking beer and doing a bit of a bottle share with some of our friends that we had in from Florida. So definitely a unique experience where you get together with the people who are like creating the product with you. 
Uh, one thing that we uh, took note of as we were inside is just the the amount of barrels inside. Being from Kentucky, that always interests us. We we saw a bunch of uh, Willet barrels in there as well. Uh, have a rough idea of how many uh, beers are currently you know maturing in barrels inside. Oh. That is going to be a tough question, only because you probably saw just a very small sliver of it. Sure. Um, in the actual tap room, there's a couple of barrels that are stacked in there. I would say that almost all of them are filled. Um, down the hallway where our office lives, there's also like floor to ceiling barrels that run the length of one of the walls. That but used to be your event space. It used to this be our was, event uh, space. Alicia, Alicia, the co-founder of Work For Your Beer, she actually got married in there uh, when that was still an event space. And it was beautiful. But yeah, all the lines of barrels was yeah. uh, so, that was so gorgeous. Such a beautiful space. Um, but even with the barrels that we have here, that's still only a fraction of them. Uh, a lot of our barrels that have like mixed culture beer resting in them are going to be at a separate location. Yeah, I figured that may have been offsite somewhere. Yeah, so I would say that probably about 90% of the barrels here are all stout, and then uh, mixed culture beers are going to be at a separate location. Offsite, hidden away. Hidden away. It's a secret. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to find out. <laughs> but what have you like seen any growth in that barrel program and like how that's being developed? Because like like you mentioned, like we're from Kentucky. We see these barrels everywhere, and it's like that's home, that's home, that's home. And like everyone has their own approach to like how they build that program up. Like you like we talked about sours. It's got to be a slow build and it's got to be just right. And it's got to be perfect. Do you have a strategy for that? So I'm an infant here. Um, I wouldn't necessarily have a full rundown on that. But I think just from answering that as a consumer early on, I've have been a regular resident culture for years um, and have definitely seen that program grow cool ships are something that are a challenge. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But that's also the beauty in spontaneous fermentation, right? Um, we do have folks that are specifically focused on our barrel aging program that work here that hone in on it. They are monitoring. They're specifically selecting barrels for certain projects. Um, our team actually went on a trip to select barrels. Uh, oh. I want to say a couple of weeks ago. To Where to? Yeah. I Kentucky? believe they went to Kentucky. Nice. Oh, it didn't even call us. Yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Next time. Next time. You? Sorry. What are some um, challenges that you're, you yourself are, are facing uh, with on behalf of uh, resident culture right now? Hmm. Personally, I mean, I think one of the, the challenge, and this is probably going to be more industry wide, is representation of women within the industry, representation of like women of color within the industry. I will say, you know, we are a woman owned brewery. Um, there's a large majority of our staff that are, you know, women are non-binary. Um, so there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes, especially for us to making sure that we're building a culture that reflects the guests that are walking into our tap room. We want it to be a welcoming space. So, you know, on our front, being able to work alongside owners like Amanda, um, as well as Philip and Tropes in creating that environment is so special, but also doing all of the work behind the scenes. So personally, um, being part of the Brewers Association DEI committee and working alongside like the marketing communication subcommittee in making that happen, directly like supporting women of color and people of color within the industry is so important. So I would say 
personally, specifically here, it's not necessarily a challenge. It's something that we're embracing and really trying to figure out more ways to make that happen. Industry-wide, I would probably say that's that's among the biggest challenges. Yeah, I think that that is very apparent. And um, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about Beard of Femme, too, because yeah. you're also you've got your hands in a lot of things. Um, and you're, I think that that's a really cool project. And it's coming up soon here in Charlotte. Yeah. So we're a little over a week away. So Beard of Femme is a really unique festival in the sense that um, there are a couple of different elements at play. So one, 100 percent of the proceeds benefit the Pink Boot Society. Brief plane interruption. Do, 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 do. Um, but I'm sorry, who, who does it benefit? So it benefits the Pink Boot Society. So the organization exists to support women and non-binary individuals in the industry and providing educational scholarships. So one of the biggest challenges within the industry as a whole is lowering that barrier to educational opportunities. Education is expensive. We all know it. I mean, let's not even get into student loan crisis. But <laughs> from like a very high level standpoint, like the cost of certifications are so expensive within the industry. Siebel has a very expensive brewing, you know, educational program. Um, Cicerone is also quite expensive. When you're talking about that first level, it's still, you know, quite manageable. Um, but Listen. when we're talking about level two and three and four, yeah, it's cost restrictive. Exactly. Yeah. Um, oftentimes women and non-binary individuals have less access to those resources. There's a longstanding history of gatekeeping within the industry that prevents, you know, others from getting that the access to knowledge that they actually need. So how do we best support those individuals and put them in the right position to be able to get the education that they need? So Pink Boots is one of the few organizations that exists. Um, I would also say a, a huge shout out to Lifting Lucy because they're also working behind the scenes to make sure that that happens as well. They are a newer organization, but they are doing they are doing the damn thing like they're getting money into the hands of the people that need it to get those educational opportunities that they so deserve and to help them advance their careers. But um, in addition to like, you know, Beard of Femme specifically supporting women and non-binary individuals, it's also a traveling festival. So it's never in the same city in North Carolina. We rotate each year. So hiatus for two years because of that shall not be named. Um, but we're now back for our fifth annual festival. Um, Nota Brewing Company, shout out to them for hosting us, um, providing us with the space to be able to host it there. Nota is a Charlotte OG brewery, women owned. Uh, Susie Ford is an incredible human being. And just the entire team there has been so helpful in, in helping us move forward. But um, really trying to focus and get the community involved in showing up for festivals like this. Um, the festival is also, again, even more unique in the fact that a lot of the beer that gets shared there and released for the festival is a first release. So it's a really cool opportunity to get all of the team members involved at your brewery in creating something that's super unique. A lot of it is produced by women and non-binary individuals, and they're developing the recipes, they're creating the product, they're there slinging it at the festival, which is, I mean, a lot of festivals, you'll have volunteers pouring your beer. So it's really cool that this festival is directly pouring in to the community that it so desperately, you know, needs that love and attention. So Saturday, September 10th, Nota Brewing Company is the festival. Um, 
it'll be somewhere next year. But right now it's in Charlotte and I'm happy to be able to do that. Um, but we've spent a considerable amount of time over the last year, small, mighty team of four of us putting together a festival that has representation from 50 different beverage companies, wine, cider, seltzer, coffee. So it's a pretty huge deal um, to be able to have that much representation. Especially just with four people heading it. Yeah, it, it is a small, mighty team. We definitely have our hands full, but um, it takes a village. So there's there, there are folks behind the scenes that are helping make this happen, including a tremendous list of sponsors who are showing up for the for our industry and specifically, you know, women and non-binaries in the industry. But by and large, that has certainly been the challenge. And I've been in the industry for four years there's change happening. It may not be as fast as we want or as pretty as we want, but it's it's happening. I wish it would be a little faster, not necessarily a snail's pace, but we're here and we're showing up to do the work. Hell yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, we we have supported our Pink Boots chapter back in Kentucky. Um, one, one of the things is three white guys that have a podcast um, <laughs> we, we always do for uh louisville beer week we do a women in beer panel uh Mel and yeah we got to go last year we got to go it was great and uh it's a good it's a, a chance for us to just take a step back and say this is you know this is what and we- you had some badass women on that panel too man you had some like ogs in the industry that have just like seen everything and i was like yes this is amazing yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah, but but this year we're, we're really happy to say this publicly i guess for the first time right now uh but we, we're partnering with the pink boots uh chapter in kentucky in kentucky there's only one chapter and it's statewide um which you know maybe that, that should be changed i i think it needs to be but uh point is though uh the, the state chapter we're partnering with them to to ha- kind of have them lead the charge on that panel because that's just something like they, they can do that we should be able to put a spotlight on that on that organization that way yeah and i think one of the for me is something that i've learned over the last year and have you know taken time like a, a big part of it is that self-reflection right you've got to figure out like okay how can i best show up like you know I, I don't want to be asked to do all the work all the time. So mm-hmm. if I am being asked to do the work, pay me because I'm worth it. Yes. Um, percent. <laughs> can't pay your rent and exposure. <laughs> um, so one, making sure that we're paying people for doing that work, but also the, the concept of the white bearded male within the industry. I mean, I work alongside of, a lot of white bearded males, but y'all are allies. You show up, you're putting in the work, you're creating a space, you're creating a spotlight. Don't like ever stop doing that. I think that's one of the most important things. I think oftentimes people throw away the term, you know, bearded white guy. And it's like, yeah, there are a lot of bearded white guys, but you know what? There are a lot of bearded white guys that show up for me every single day. And I think there's an importance in acknowledging that and being appreciative that like we do have allies within the industry and on the outskirts of the industry that are like, I'm going to show up for you. I'm going to share your content. I'm going to give you a platform to be able to use. You don't have one. Here's mine. And I think there's a level of importance in that. So hell yeah. For Kentucky. (laughs) <laughs> and for Pink Boot Society there. I mean, when our chapter in North Carolina started, it was like one and like a handful of people. And now our chapter specifically in Charlotte is the third largest mm-hmm. in the country. And you can you can almost feel that too, just by visiting the few breweries that we've gone to over the last few days. 
that culture is <laughs> it, 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 yeah. it's so apparent um, just talking with um, uh, Rachel Hudson at, at pilot just her passion and, and her drive for that that as well I mean it's it, it's a scene that um, I'm not saying that we don't have it but it's not as apparent so born and raised in Miami um, I lived in Florida for the majority of my life um, when I moved up to North Carolina. I had been working in marketing and advertising for a really long time. Had an opportunity to take a job over at Pilot. Shout out to Rachel and Jeff and Amanda. Great spot. Um, They are amazing people. Whether Rachel wants to hear it or not, her and Jeff really did give me my start in the industry. They took a chance on me and said, you know what, this person has absolutely no idea what she's doing, but sure, she can open a brewery with us. And she was like, yeah, let's do that. Um, And worked with them for several years. And I had an opportunity to work alongside an award-winning brewery, just like, hello, go take a look at their lineup of awards, like GABF, US Beer Cup, like they are insane in what they're creating. Not to mention the fact that they are based on a culture of supporting people. Like every month they are donating money to a different local organization. So they are doing incredible work. Um, But I can absolutely understand what it's like to like live somewhere where you're like, it doesn't quite feel like they're as supportive of women. And Florida felt that way for me. I mean, total transparency. After I had production experience here, packaging, work production, like working in a tap room, front of house events, marketing, all of it. I went down to Miami to hopefully land a job. And it wasn't until the 10th month I was there that I got an interview as an assistant brewer. And then the world shut down. Um, But prior to that, like just sending out resumes and applications like, hey, hire me. Um, And I absolutely there's a a variety of reasons why this frustrated me so much. But someone was like, you're a cute girl. You should just be an influencer. And for me, the concept of like cute girl and also just be an influencer also just kind of raises a lot of questions as to wondering, like, do you understand what really goes into creating content and producing it on a scale and working your job? (laughs) Plus working 50, 60 hours producing content for businesses. Um, Like that was, there were so many problems with that statement. But like this is coming from someone who like worked for a brewery like Mm -hmm. Pilot and had the experience. And I mean, it's definitely evolved over times. I think Miami was certainly not a beer town. It is slowly growing and there are more breweries popping up and there's more support. Um, I think Florida may be the second Pink Boots chapter in the country. So we fall third in that. So while, while we're on that list, what, what's the first one, do you think? Uh, oh, it's uh, San Diego. That makes cool. sense. Yeah. So it's like San Diego and then the whole state of Florida and then Charlotte. <laughs> All right. It's good company. Which is, I mean... It's pretty rad. A lot of really great beer in all of those places. But I mean, Florida is evolving and it's going to take time. But at the same time, like of the connections I've made in the last year with folks from Florida, like the heart is there. It's just going to take some work. And you guys uh, coming right up is Charlotte Beer Month and then Charlotte Beer Week. So Charlotte Beer Week. Um, pretty sure Rachel gave you a mega lowdown on that. She uh, is it's still it's still under wraps a little well, bit. Well, she's one of the uh, powerhouses behind I got organizing the email that. From her about it. 
All I have to say is stay tuned because it's going to be a hell of a couple of days. Super fun. It's long. It's over a week. I always get yeah. confused. It's like, the, like it's how it's like a super it week. Yeah. It's like 10 days. Bonus week. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Our, ours, we, we play in Louisville Beer Week and that's going to be a nine day event. Yeah. L- Louisville Beer Just Nine Day Just make it event. the month. The whole month. <laughs> I, I think month. my liver would kill me. <laughs> You've got to pace yourself. Also... Moderation. I don't want to. I don't. <laughs> just just one week is is enough to <laughs> Fair. to manage. <laughs> you hear that, Louisville breweries? One week is enough. Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, speaking of which, we we always do when we travel around. We do like to ask our guests. Uh, have you ever been to Louisville, Kentucky before? I have not. What any any like images or connotations come to mind to you? Sports. Okay. Specifically, just, just lots of sports. Just lots of sports. Just lots of sports. All the activities. <laughs> Lots, right. lots of sports. No, I, I can see why. A lot you say, of sports ball. Yes, I can see why you say that. Between Louisville Slugger bats, uh, U of L basketball, derby. Kentucky basketball. I feel like derby Kentucky counts. Derby, absolutely. It's more of a horse sport. I feel like for well, me, they, it's the like people basketball ride the specifically. Yeah. Well, yeah, Kentucky at large. I mean, it's just a basketball state. I mean, between UK and U of L, I mean, it's it's heated because we don't have any pro teams there, so. Uh, it's it's fun to to watch, especially you know Kentucky whenever they play Duke or UNC. I mean, it's yeah, we're it's a, we're a big college basketball home, college football. We're we're a big college sports house. Um, I am a Duke fan. Okay. I'm just gonna I'm gonna just put that out there. All right. uh. <laughs> you don't care. <laughs> I'm just gonna go ahead and just I don't. I it's fine. Well, I'm I'm very I, sorry that Coach K uh, you know is no longer no longer coaching. Was but he got a puppy, uh, and that was pretty cute. <laughs> throw, throw that's all that matters. <laughs> just a single Leitner reference would just no, just, no. We're, we're good on that. I mean, we're not going to start a war here. No, no. We're, th- that's that's what the great thing about beer, though, right? Like, look, look at us, Kentucky fan, a Duke fan, sharing a beer, having a good time. We don't even have to talk about how much better Kentucky is than Duke. It's fine. <laughs> like, it's well, fine. Well, well. How the turntables but, uh, <laughs> have. <laughs> but also, um, the the other thing that we like to ask is, uh, have you? Do you know of, or have you ever had a Kentucky Common beer? I feel like I have, and it was a very long time ago. So studying all the beer things, I think that's how it came across. But also, to be totally honest with you, it was probably really old hmm. and probably not well cared for. Because that's what happens when it lands in the big box store. Yes. So we're leading. So one of three indigenous styles to the U.S. is the Kentucky Common. So we're we're gonna we're gonna spread this back. Next time we come back to resident culture, you're gonna have a Kentucky Common you on didn't. draft. You guys have talked bring about this the entire you? trip, and you didn't bring any for us. Well, we we go wanna, home we, and get it. Yeah. <laughs> we we Excuse want me. to trust the people that imbibe this this knowledge of Kentucky Common. Mm, but so okay. you're all but, getting packages. It's yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, it, it, you know, it's it's mo- there's some debate, but the style guidelines do mostly favor the idea of being a, a dark cream ale. Uh, pre-prohibition, it was one of the biggest beer styles, specifically in and around the region of Louisville. Something like 75% of the folks that drank beer were drinking that specific style. Uh, cheap, easy to produce. You could, from 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 brewing to drinking, it was like eight to 10 day turnaround. Um, it, was, it was just so easy to drink and everybody liked it. Uh, Prohibition happened, kind of killed the entire beer and bourbon scene, obviously. Bourbon recovered pretty quickly. Beer didn't recover as quickly. Um, so that's just kind of our our preach uh, our, our preachiness right now. Like we we want to be like say, hey, you you know bourbon, you have all those barrels in there. However, you can go an extra step and say, hey, we also made this Kentucky Common, and then we aged it in, in some a, of these barrels that we have too. 
I think I know someone who might be able to help us out. Perfect. Good. Well, that's that's you know that's their just mission a of this trip is to get a Charlotte brewery to make a Kentucky key takeaways. <laughs> Somebody needs to brew a Kentucky common and age it in a Kentucky barrel, mm-hmm. and also you need to buy your tickets to Beer to Feb. Absolutely. I think those are two big key takeaways that's from today. It. I mean, when when I write the the podcast description, that's <laughs> that's those are the three bullet points right there. That's Easy it. done. Yeah, thanks, <laughs> thanks. You, you did our job. Uh, but but to that <laughs> point, other than point. other than Beard of Fam, do you have anything that you'd like to plug coming up in the near or far future? Any exciting developments that resident culture is dealing with right now? Oh my god, so many fun things. Um, I would definitely say stay tuned for more fun porch parties. Come drink with us at 10 a.m. and enjoy some really killer stouts that are going to get released. Um, But beyond that, stay tuned for a lot of the community-driven events. Um, We've got our annual drag car wash coming up at the end of September. (laughs) Yes. So much fun. Come get your car washed by the queens. Yes. Madeline's Fund. Uh, we're raising money for Madeline's Fund on NICU Awareness Day, which is a super huge deal. Um, incredible work that this organization is doing in light of a very difficult topic. Um, fifth anniversary party. It's it's going to be fun. Amazing. I can't wait. A little teaser came out, I want to say about a week ago, maybe two weeks ago won't release too much information but killer lineup of beers killer releases incredible breweries that are going to be coming out to hang out with us and just a weekend of a lot of fun can't wait love it's it be great make sure you got your skateboard and roller skates ready amazing <laughs> <laughs> on, okay. on this cobblestone patio i'll just show up in a hoop. right here on this cobblestone patio but just just to this small area where you're you're at right now i, I don't want to like hit a rock and skid <laughs> and fall. Break bring a helmet yep I've been meaning to ask Mel, what's up, dog? Oh, yeah. I'm drinking a kombucha over here. I don't know if we actually talked about my stomach ulcer or not, but I'm not actively drinking a ton of beer right now. But uh, I am drinking Updog Kombucha's uh, Firefly Peach Basil, which is arguably their best flavor. Um, And this is also a woman-owned business. And they're local to North Carolina, Charlotte, and Wilmington, I believe. And uh, the gal who owned this company uh, is one of my best gal pals so i try to drink her kombucha everywhere we go it's called updog kombucha shout out to updog they're yeah. pouring at beard fm next week they're lovely just so lovely do love kombucha uh i also love beer there's plenty of beer inside that i'd still like to try yes. um so let's let's go do that thank you so much for hosting us today we really appreciate thank it thanks so much for having with us on our rainbow oh yeah. it's, it's a good fun <laughs> okay. thank you take care yeah, thank you.